Welcome to another joint Giants Double Play and A's Plus podcast. My name is Henry Shulman. I am the Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. I am here with Susan Slusser, the A's beat reporter, and we're here in Las Vegas, Nevada for the third and final full day of baseball's winter meetings. We are going to talk Kyler Murray. We are going to talk Bryce Harper. All coming up after this. Welcome to day three of the winter meeting. Susan Slusser from the San Francisco Chronicle back with you along with Henry Schulman, our Giants beat writer to talk about what the A's and, and Giants have been up to. Henry, uh, today was the big Scott Boris stroll through the lobby and set up next to the Christmas tree and uh, he was surrounded by hundreds of reporters. I was in the middle of the scrum. I know you were, you were actually even a little closer than I was. Uh, what sort of Scott Boris nuggets did you wind up to unearthing with the uh, in, in that pack. Well, first of all, uh, before I get to the nuggets, if, if I w- didn't do this job for a living, I would buy a press pass, like from a scalper, <laughs> just just for the Scott Boris state of the it's Boris. A, it's a scene. Address okay. uh, in front of the Christmas tree. Hundreds of reporters, security pushing reporters out of the way. Well, you know, Bryce Harper was the the big topic of conversation. And Boris client that is obvious, and he, you know, he didn't talk specifics with specific teams, uh, although he did, you know, try to indicate that the Yankees were involved, even if Brian Cashman said they weren't. But what I kind of learned today was that the Giants really aren't talking about Bryce Harper in their suite upstairs at the Delano Hotel. Um, it's not a front burner thing right now. They they have a lot of balls in the air, juggling a lot of balls, as Brian Sabian used to say, uh, trying to get pitching, trying to get some corner outfield help, probably on a lesser scale. But um, you know, the thing I wrote about, and it's up you know up on the website, is that that could change. Uh, Scott Boris is not shy about uh, coming back to teams, about keep pushing teams that have said we're not interested, holding off signing his guys until January or February when the teams sort of realize they're not as good as they thought they were going to be. I mean, the best example to me was uh, Prince Fielder. I mean, he got Detroit to sign, I think, right as spring training was starting. So I wouldn't expect any uh, Bryce Harper news coming out of the winter meetings uh, for any team, uh, but the Giants in particular. But you know, just keep just keep it in mind that it may not be um, a dead a dead deal. Now, you have some news from the Scott Boris. Um, what I call the state of the Scott address today, too, don't you? I do. Um, I managed to um, wriggle my way up close to the front so I could finally yell him a question, of course, about Kyler Murray. I did talk to Scott by phone last week about Kyler Murray, of course, who the A's um, first pick in last June's draft, number nine overall, and also the Heisman-winning quarterback at Oklahoma. He's been making noises about potentially having interest in the NFL draft. And Boris told me next week, you know, he's going to fulfill his commitment to the A's. He will be there on the first day of spring training. There's maybe some gray area in that. Like, what does that mean? Does he just have to show up for spring training to get his $4.66 million bonus? Um, does he, is there a specific time commitment? No, nobody has given any sort of details on the contract. So I tried to get a little bit more today um, during the Boris Scrum. And my first question was, are you still convinced that Kyler Murray will not commit to the NFL draft? And um, Boris didn't actually answer that. He just said, you know, he, Kyler knows he's got a great opportunity to be a really good baseball player, and the A's are giving him that opportunity, and I still expect he's going to show up for spring training. Didn't say anything about maybe declaring for the draft one way or another. Um, I still think that's a long shot, but it's interesting that he kind of sidestepped that portion of the 
of the um, question, he's very good at that. Sometimes it's what he doesn't answer that can tell you a little bit more than than what he he does. Um, And then the second question is a follow-up. I asked him if there's any possibility that Kyler Murray could play both. It hasn't been done for a long time. In the 90s, we obviously saw it with some high-profile guys, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, Brian Jordan. Everybody I've talked to who's an NFL expert thinks it's it's something that you can't do anymore, particularly at a position like quarterback. Um, but just when you declare for the draft, you usually have to go through things like the combine uh, and all the pre-draft workouts. He'll be playing baseball then. He, You know, if you're under contract to play baseball, they're not going to let you suddenly leave for a week or two for NFL workouts. So it's pretty unlikely. Um, but when I asked him that, he said, I don't know, you'll have to ask Billy Bean. So um, in the A's, when the A's met with... General Manager David Force today, I asked him about that. The A's have been very careful about uh, the way they respond to Kyler Murray and football questions. Um, they, they want him, and this is really honest, uh, an honest thing from them, very genuine. They want him to enjoy the rest of his college football season, which obviously isn't over. They've got a bowl game on December 29th, potentially in the national championship. I mean, that's a fantastic team. He's a fantastic player. Um, and they've they've really tried to avoid. They've just said we want him to enjoy that, and then we'll see him this spring. But today, David Forst said we haven't talked to Scott Boris or Kyler Murray about playing both, um, and it would be unfair to say anything about it until we sit do sit down and talk about it. So it didn't sound to me like anybody's necessarily ruling it out as as difficult as it might seem. Uh, now, Kyler Murray, uh, I found out today, and this is probably common knowledge, but I didn't know it. He's the nephew of former giant Calvin Murray, who's most famous for being at the plate in Tucson in spring training that year when Randy Johnson killed the pigeon oh. with a fastball. There's well, some trivia. Here's, here's more better trivia. Calvin Murray works for Scott Boris. He's one of his agents. Oh, I did not so, know that. So, yeah, when you kind of take everything into account with the family history and where Calvin's working, you might think, and the fact that, that Kyler Murray is really five foot nine he's listed at five foot ten scott boris refers refers to him as five foot nine i've stood next to him he's not much taller than me that's tough for nfl and nfl quarterback i'm not saying he can't play in the nfl at that size um, but it's gonna be tough for him to see over the line i would um, encourage your younger the younger listeners of this podcast to google pat hayden los angeles <laughs> rams just kind of throw the uh throw the ball over the over the defensive line at a weird angle. He had Pat Hayden had to deal with launch angle long before it was <laughs> popular in baseball. I believe the NFL defenses are, are different than they, they are were in Pat different. Hayden's yeah, day. They're, but they're a little bigger. Yeah, yeah and I, again, talking to a lot of NFL experts, I've talked to way more NFL experts in the last few weeks than I would have expected in a baseball offseason. But um, the feeling is Kyler Murray's biggest asset is his speed. He's blazing quick. He gets a foot past a, you know, the defense, and he's gone. In the NFL, some of that is nullified by the fact that the defensive players in the NFL are just as fast. So he's expected to be maybe a late first-round pick. Looking at the late first rounders last year, they're in the five million, six million dollar range. If he chose to go to the draft and not play baseball, he would have to repay the A's four point six. Yeah, he would have to repay four point six six million. And um, he's got to juggle. Does he get more than that as a whatever pick he gets um, in the NFL draft? And what's the future income level he might get in the NFL as an undersized player? No matter how great he might be. You know, and at a position where he will probably take a pummeling, especially, you know, depending on what the team is that he goes to. There's no way to, to know that, uh, what their offensive line is like, all those kind of things. Um, baseball's a little bit of a more sure thing. Uh, 
especially from a health standpoint, career longevity, things like that. But you know, who knows if his true, if his first love is football and he wants to play. I, I mean, it, it could go either way. If, if it happens, the A's get repaid. They do not get a comp pick in next year's draft because he did sign. So they will be out a first-round pick this year, and it's a team that is really putting an emphasis now on their um, minor leagues. They, they'd be out a, a really terrific outfielder. Well, I mean, that'll be a, a fascinating thing to watch. I mean, I did see Bo Jackson play. You saw him play. I saw him hit a home run against Rick Russell in the 1989 All-Star game that I believe has not landed yet. I think it's it's traveling over uh, Yugoslavia or the former Yugoslavia right now. Um, oh, he was fun to watch. He was. He really was. But, I mean, he, he did hurt himself badly. And, I mean, I don't think Bo Jackson has any regrets, but, I mean, he hurt himself badly playing football. had a hip problem and it kind of shortened his career in both. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. Now, um, I know the, the Giants have um, some other news coming out of uh, your Farhan Zaidi um, session today. Anything of note? Well, actually, we, uh, we haven't done Farhan uh, yet uh, as we're taping this, but good transition from Bo Jackson's hip to Buster Posey's hip. Oh. Uh, we did talk to Bruce Bochy today. He did his managerial availability, and... He had a couple of interesting uh, things to say. First of all, uh, he said that Posey, besides having a torn labrum repaired and having bone spurs removed, that he also uh, had a microfracture. So he had a lot going on in that hip. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he also said that by next uh, month, mid-January, Buster should be uh, able to do sprints. Uh, he will be kind of slow played in in spring training, but and, he, and he'll probably play a little bit more first base this year. This is a, a goal that Bochi has always had, uh, but the hope is that maybe he'll regain some of the pop he's lost. You know, as, as any hitter would know, you need to be able to clear your hips quickly uh, to be able to hit a baseball, and he has not been able to do that, at least in the last season, maybe for seasons before that. And one of the things I go back to is in 2011, Buster Posey had that horrible leg break when um, Scott Cousins ran into him and, and he he Posey uh, spent so much time rehabbing like he's doing now he came to camp very very strong and then he ended up winning the batting title and the MVP in 2012 now I'm not saying it's he's going to win another MVP and batting title because he's going to be seven years older but Bochi has the expectation that Buster will be more of a three or four type hitter uh, from a slugging perspective than he was. And that really, more than any power acquisition the Giants can make, um, would help the team tremendously offensively. Uh, they're already paying him. It's not a guy they have to go out and sign or trade for. Uh, but, you know, we're not going to be able to see until we get to spring training in this season. Yeah, a healthy Buster Posey really could have a, an immediate impact on the lineup, including other guys who underperformed last year. You know, if that's the case, the Giants might be better than people are projecting, and potentially. Well, I'd like to see who else they get first. Yeah. Um, yes, we would you all. Know, this is another <laughs> thing we talked about with, with Bruce Bochy. I mean, usually at the winter meetings, um, the, their team is set, and they're usually just filling one or two holes. And in this winter meetings, I mean, they're really kind of rebuilding the team. They're, they're looking for two starting pitchers, two starting outfielders, a backup catcher. They're, they're, they're willing to make moves where they trade some relievers but acquire some others that might be a little less expensive or fill a different platoon need and all that. And I asked Bochy today whether it's a little disconcerting for him that two months before uh, spring training, he doesn't even know what his team is going to look like. And he said absolutely not because he trusts Zadie. Um, he uh, he, he's in the room. Uh, he's been in the room for three days listening to what 
uh, has been talked about, and he's confident the Giants will acquire some of these players um, that will, you know, to build the team and make it better. One other interesting thing from the Bochy, uh, of course, yesterday on the podcast we talked about the fact. Uh, actually, no, I uh, yeah, we did. We talked about the fact that um, you know they're going to go to openers. Uh, that's what Zadie said yesterday. They're going to go to openers like the A's and uh, Rays and some other teams. And uh, we all kind of wondered, well, how would Bochi deal with it? I mean, old school manager, starters go six, seven innings. He said he's fine with it. He said he's open to anything. He said he's, you know, he, he said he's more open-minded than people give him credit for. And, and really, um, all, he, all he really wants to do is win. The one caveat is that I don't think that Madison Bumgarner is going to come into pitch after an opener. Yeah, I would, I would like to see his reaction were that were that to happen. The the A's were was uh, were linked in a rumor today. Um, I've actually yet to to write anything about it, um, but I have talked to a few people about it. We we have talked to la- each of the last two days about the A's quest to either re-sign Jed Lowry or find a second baseman, everyday second baseman. Um, with the Rangers potentially trading Jerks and Profar, the A's name came up. Uh, apparently, they have checked in. I'm not sure how that would work. The the Rangers would like decent prospects back. The A's don't want to trade any of their top prospects. Um, the one thing that could work, potentially, if the A's wanted to do it, was maybe just a straight-up swap of Franklin Barreto for Jerks and Profar. That I could maybe see if that, you know, is something that the Rangers wanted to do, swap an older infielder for a younger infielder. Um, this you know? is not the Billy Bean I know. This, yeah, the Dave it, Forrest I know. Yeah, this would be, it would be, you know, hey, I'm not ruling anything out, but um, just looking at the A's prospects and who they might trade, they're not going to, um, you know, hand over any of their top guys for Jerickson Profar. I, I think they have um, probably some better options at second base. And I, I think they still, you know, I wrote on Monday that um, they might be moving on from Jed Lowry. There are kind of some indications if he's asking for too much. Sometimes when teams start talking about other players, that maybe changes the thinking of the original guy. So, I, you know, I, I think they would they would still be open to, to anything with Jed Lowry if it, if it wound up being reasonable. And as long as we're at second base, uh, I think there's a lot, been a lot of speculation that the Giants might trade Joe Panic. That's two winners now in a row. Um, and uh, try and go with some younger, in, more inexpensive guys. He just signed a contract for just under $4 million for next year. Bochi was talking as if Panic is going to be there next year. Now things can change. Um, Zadie indicated, or I've gotten indications from people in the front office, uh, Zadie included, that uh, you know they're still open. Just because you sign a guy, uh, an arbitration-eligible guy, to a one-year contract doesn't mean you can't move him. In fact, all you have to do, it, in, just like in the case of Will Smith, the closer, is offer him, uh, a, a tender him a contract. And whether or not they reach agreement or not, he's a signed player. So Smith, of course, is a player that the Giants could move. But... Uh, he said, Bochi said, this is going to be a big year for Joe Panic. He's got a lot to prove after a uh, really kind of bad season. And uh, I, I have a feeling that if he doesn't improve a lot, this could very well be his last year because now in arbitration, he's really going to start to get expensive. And the Giants do have some younger second basemen to look at. Well, the whole thing about younger players, um, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, you know, baseball is becoming a game of younger players. A lot of teams, we've seen it everywhere. Um, if you've got a choice between an older, more expensive guy and a younger, up-and-coming, cheaper guy, that's kind of the way the game is going. Uh, the A's, I think, would actually, you know, if, if they can't find terms that they like at second base or catcher, 
I think they'd be perfectly happy going with Franklin Barreto. Uh, I know there are people in the A's organization pushing for Franklin Barreto to get that second base spot. Um, and I think maybe sh we might see Sean Murphy at catcher, though he's only played a couple games at AAA. We might see him as the A's starting catcher sooner rather than later. I think the Giants might be a year behind the A's in second base looking at, but they have t two guys. Um, Abiatal Avellino, who is the guy they acquired and they really like from the Yankees. He was in the in Andrew McCutcheon uh, deal. And, um, you know, I mean, th that's, a, that's a guy specifically. I mean, he, he could be a, a, a platoon player. Uh, and they have other options uh, like that. Uh, so, but I, I mean, I really do think that for Joe Panic, if it, Joe Panic is healthy, um, Four million dollars is a good number. I don't think that they're worried about that. They have they have it there. And just in terms of younger, the, uh, cheaper, younger players, the Giants are still going to be a big market team. They're still going to have a humongous payroll. Uh, but that they must have be rough. A, huh? That must, must be rough. Be rough yeah. yeah. Well, they haven't always spent it wisely, and they have a lot of big contracts that they can't move with older players who are in in decline. So I think they're still going to look at younger, big payroll or not. They're going to look at younger players uh, to to fill some of these needs because I don't think they want to slip over that luxury tax cap again. Well, the A's um, have uh, potentially a means to save some money over the course of a few years if they do something an American League executive suggested to me today. Um, they, uh, Chris Davis is going into his final year of arbitration. He is projected to make somewhere on the order of $17, $18 million in, in arbitration. Uh, the A's have talked several times about a multi-year extension for him. They love him. He loves playing in Oakland. I, I think it's definitely a, a mutual thing. They would both like to get something done. But these don't have a ton of money. They've got a smaller budget. Um, I, the executive pointed out to me today, first of all, the A's would give, a, I, I mean, obviously, I'm guessing here, but it seems like they would certainly give him a qualifying offer after the end of next season. That's going to be around $18 million. So you're looking right now at two years and $35 million for the next two years for Chris Davis, somewhere in there. Why not then just add on a third or fourth year? He sources absolutely uh, tell me that he would for sure have more years and a lower total value per year to get the extra years. So you bring down the total contract per year value by adding on a couple extra years, maybe get them for three years and 42 million, four years, 48 million, something like that, 50 million. Um, why not do that? Save yourself a little bit per year. You love him. He's a DH. He stays healthy. He's hit more home runs than anyone in baseball over the last three years. Yeah, a guy who hits 40 no. homers every year. That that must be nice. 40, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. 40 homers and 100 RBIs, three years in a row. Only the second player in A's history to do that after Jimmy Fox. And yeah, That's pretty great. So yeah, Jimmy Fox was yeah, like in the 70s, he's right? Very reliable. And yeah. he's extremely reliable. He's hit 247 four years in a row. So oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's easy to project, and he's very healthy, and he loves Oakland. And how do you get? How do you find those numbers on the open market or develop it? Well, it's hard, and yeah. that's the Giants. That's been the Giants' issue all along. And right now, that's why they need to find corner outfielders with yeah. pop. And corner outfielders with pop are not easy to exactly. get. Exactly. So you know the the A's are set here. I think with Chris Davis, he loves it. Um, looking at it from Chris Davis's vantage, not only does he love it, he loves Bob Melvin. But the market for sluggers can be very strange. It's weird. The the game now is a game.
game of home runs and strikeouts, which is his game, and yet when big home run hitters go in the open market, sometimes there's, you know, Jose Bautista, no, nothing. Um, even Encarnacion, JT Mar JD Martinez, some, their value is a little less than projected when they were on the open market. Chris Carter, nothing after 40, 41 home run seasons. So it's a little rusty for him, and he'll be 33 going into that season in, in 2021 after the next two years, and we're just talking it's a younger man's game. I think a, a long-term deal, three, four years, I think would be perfect for both sides. So I'm hoping they get that done. I think that would work out really well for everyone. But everyone keeps saying, like, he signed through 2019. Really what people should be focused on is really he's going to be with the A's most likely for at least the next two years. Well, if the A's don't want him, they should give Zadie a call. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't take him? Put him back in the outfield. Always an adventure. Well, Henry, um, I believe we will try to do another one of these to wrap things up tomorrow before we head off yeah, to, I, the, to I, our various flights. I would say 40 minutes on the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, I think I that think, would be perfect. Yes, break down the entire thing, yep. team by team. Team by team, yeah. yeah. And then the AAA Rule 5 draft and the AA Rule 5 yeah, draft all yeah. the way down. We have a tentative plan for a Day 4 wrap-up um, tomorrow, and if not, we will try to get something up in the next couple of days to wrap things up but um, we have really enjoyed doing this podcast daily from from the winter meetings at Mandalay Bay and we hope you have enjoyed it too thanks so much for listening and, and hopefully we'll be back tomorrow A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle podcast network Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief if you like this show we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts and if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe. <laughs>